two weeks into the season, do you think the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFL? That's a tough. I, I I think yes. What did you say? I think yes. I think they're just playing the most. I, over two weeks, they've had the most complete games. What really impressed me today is the way that offense played against a very, very good Jets defense. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Another week, another Cowboys win. How about that? Feels great, doesn't it? Feels great to be here again on About Them Cowboys to break it down for you with the experts at The Athletic. We've got John Mishoda, we've got Saad Youssef, and to lead us through this game, Kevin KT Fun Tweets Turner. Hey, KT. Hello, Kent. Hello, John. Hello, Saad. And John, did you avoid the uh, big brawl on the concourse at AT AT&T Stadium yesterday? The traditional brawl? Did you see the video going around? I have not, but... He shot it, dude. Out of the ordinary, so not uh, not a big surprise. I will say, um, I'm wearing dress shoes to home games, so maybe I don't have the proper fighting footwear, but... Fighting in the concourse in dress shoes sounds like the dumbest thing anybody could do. Uh, it's not really uh, uh, a lot of grip there. And then regardless of your footwear um, and regardless of any stadium, always fascinates me the fight actually in the stands uh, with people swinging at each other on different levels on on concrete steps. That's uh, uh, That's always an interesting one, too. So, no, I did not see this one. I have a uh, a working theory that like there's going to be like a Netflix documentary on fights at NFL games over the last 10 years and how they just happen and then no one thinks about them again two days later. And I have a feeling it's all going to be unearthed at some point. You know, like, here's so many point. people who were injured during dumb fights at football games and you sucker know, punches and all that. <laughs> I honestly don't even – at this point, I've seen so many videos of the fights that – they really don't even do that much for me. Same. But to, but to your point, what would be interesting is finding out medical bills, what the injuries were. And then number one on my list is just what was the punishment? Like, we like, are sure they just get arrests, a mis- are, disorderly, yeah. disorderly conduct? Uh, cool. How much ticket? did you have to pay on that? Uh, yeah. can, are you allowed to come back to the stadium? Like, I feel like some of that stuff it's kind of weird that that isn't more publicized because that would be more of a deterrent if you were like, yeah, I've had 14 Miller lights, but I also don't feel like blowing like a grand on, you know, legal fees and Mm -hmm. possibly not being allowed back in here. But nobody really ever talks about any of that. You know, the assaults, things like that. It's weird. It's a lot, you know, a lot of them happen in the parking lot. It's wild when it happens in the concourse, though. It's kind of of crazy. Describe this video, KT. Was it Cowboys versus Jets fan? Was this friendly fire? What was going on here? Uh, This appeared to be Cowboys versus Jets fan. Okay. Uh, But, you know, that doesn't mean I haven't, you know, we've seen the Cowboy fan take on the Cowboy fan. (laughs) Yeah, that makes no sense to me. When I uh, see those, I'm like, why are we fighting each other? And it's not just We're on the same side. Too. There was one last year, it was... Two guys wearing Luka Doncic jerseys fighting in the <laughs> like, hey guys, we're the same here. I wish humans understood that. Maybe more they were just we were complaining the about team. a call. Yeah, I know it was pass interference. <laughs> um, you know, it was thirty ten. 
I, I tell you what, I was watching that game, John, hearing Romo gurgle through some breaks, and I went... Just dropping just the best jokes you've ever heard. Yeah, Nance did a Texas Toast thing, that, you know, when Man. talking about the Texas coast. It was... Who doesn't love it? Some Joji Garcia's B-roll. Yeah. yeah. The pride of Mexican food in North Texas. Of course. Tony you know, gave a little shout out to the artwork. It was great. I got that out of the way early. They had to do that. <laughs> contractually <laughs> contractually <laughs> obligated. And they were like, you know what? Let's just do it the first one. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Get so it we don't have to think about it. <laughs> um, I, I watched that game and went, this is maybe the most bored I've been watching a Cowboys game. Because you just knew that the Jets weren't ever, weren't going to get anything going against the Cowboys' defense. You just knew it. And it's a good thing to feel. But also, <laughs> I don't think it's like that every bit of luster was taken off of this game when Rodgers got hurt. And don't know that the Jets would have had much of a chance against the Cowboys if Rodgers played. Maybe they would have. I don't know. This thing, you just kind of knew it was done after the Cowboys' first scoring drive. And maybe the... Maybe if Sauce Gardner makes that interception that hit, hits him in the hands, like maybe that changes the game, but it just felt like the Jets weren't going to have a chance as a whole yesterday. Yeah, it's tough for me to say with the way the defense has played these first two weeks that Rodgers would have made a difference in terms of uh, in the win-loss column. I definitely think the game would have been closer. Yeah. I, mean, I think Mike McCarthy would have probably called the offense a little bit different too, especially in the second half as much as, you know, there's criticism about, you know, three trips to the red zone in the second half that ended in field goals, where if you're going against Rodgers, you know, those field goals aren't going to be enough. So you're probably dialing up some, a little bit different things. So it's it's tough to go apples to apples on that one. But I, but I'm very confident it would have been closer. Um, there's also a possibility Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt in the first game. He gets hurt in this one because, man, <laughs> Micah Parsons was coming in hot um, multiple times and you know, I know Rodgers knows the game probably a thousand times better than Zach Wilson, but there's certain things where it's two seconds and this guy's in your lap. There's only so much you can do. So uh, just a just an outstanding performance by the defense again. I mean, regardless of who the opponent is, to just be as dominant as they have in back-to-back weeks, it just feeds into the way that they've talked about how, I mean, their goal is to be, you know, not only the best defense in the league, but they want to be, like, remembered historically for a great defense. And when... You know, you take the ball away and you pressure the quarterback the way they have. If they can stay healthy, man, they're on track. Yeah, it's hard not to start looking too far ahead, too, when you start thinking about these things. You kind of put yourself back in your place like, okay, hold on. Yeah. Get through this one. we got Arizona next week. But I tell you what, <laughs> you take a peek at that schedule and you go, well, we are got a good chance to be 4-0. And we got some fun games, you know, coming with the San Francisco and the Chargers game. If, if, for us – we can look to week five and go, that is going to be awesome, <laughs> um, yep. which is at San Francisco. But, you know, next week I saw the opening line for the Arizona game, 12 and a half, which you don't see a lot of 12 and a half point favorites in the NFL very often. So that's, that's fancy. I loved the way Mike McCarthy ran the offense yesterday as a guy who is, you know, pretty critical about Mike McCarthy. There's a lot of, there's something about the way that they handled that yesterday that, and you could, some people may find it frustrating. I think it's great how he handled that game yesterday. It was more of a let's get get our business done and get out of here. There's a very workmanlike approach to it. And I don't know, no one describes a workmanlike approach if you go six for six in the red zone and it's 
55 to 10, right? But there was something about that that it didn't leave leave you wanting a little more maybe on offense, but you kind of got the feeling like, hey, we're not burning all of our bullets right now in this game that's kind of over. And I don't know. I just thought, I thought the way he ran the offense, getting rid of the ball quickly in the first half and things like that, and then how he turned ran it in the second half, I actually thought was brilliant and think he should be commended for it. And we can save some of that aggression for when we need it, you know, a little later on. Yeah, and I don't think he's shown close to everything that they have to show with the offense. And he probably doesn't need to even get that deep into the bag until that San Francisco game, judging by what their next two games against Arizona and New England are. Uh, So that should make, like you were saying, for an epic matchup there week five. I will say this. I, I just... I understand that there's some that are critical of them settling for the field goals in the red zone, but I guess I look at it more from the perspective of there are offensive changes being made with a new offensive play caller. Uh, You know, there are some injury issues, not having Tyler Smith, not having Brandon cooks. And that's a Jets defense that made Josh Allen look pretty bad literally the week before. So I think when you factor all of those things in, to win the way that they did, I think I don't understand how people just don't take it and be happy with it. There's something to this thing, this vibe, and maybe it's something that you do get credit for building up, but this thing's got a little more juice than than usual. Well, we kind of knew that. And we felt like the NFC was wide open for grabs. Just the way you start that game to come out on that first drive, 12 plays, 75 yards, and do kind of everything perfectly. Okay, great. Sometimes that happens, and you see like teams make adjustments real quickly and things like that. I mean, they went three and out on their second possession. It's not like it was twenty-one nothing, like it, like the Cardinals and Giants game was, you know, twenty to nothing at halftime. But like that next drive, I mean, they had three drives of over ten plays in the first half where they were just like, "Hey, we're getting anything we want right now," and you kind of knew that. We're running the ball well, but. You know, not a lot of teams are going to run the ball well against the Jets. I, just feel, like, I feel like there's, like, no complaints. Used to having something to say <laughs> when it comes to the Cowboys. You can pick out a few things. You got to really work hard to come up with things that you're concerned about, things that you're unhappy with, with this team right now. I mean, even I the kickers drain, knocking them down, you know? It's, it's just tough. Like, I, I, think, I think you're almost reaching if you're like – looking for for problems the only the only thing that i could think of and you can if you've got a few things please fire away the only thing i think of if i'm going to be concerning is maybe the offensive line depth once you have to play good teams <laughs> and that might all be worked out in three weeks so it's the only uh, thing i, I can say this i think what helps the offensive line is the fact that they're getting the ball out so quick and so um yes for the run game no question but i think there are things you can do with this particular offense that you might not need as great of an offensive line as in maybe previous seasons. And so the way that they've come out in these first two games, I guess the best way for me to describe it from what I've seen is that it makes me think as long as they stay relatively healthy, they can avoid last year's Jaguars game. They can avoid last year's Packers game. And if you do that, that's a 14 win team. That's, that's pretty impressive. So uh, this has been a good team the last two years. It's just come down to in the playoffs. They haven't been able to get over that hump. But this looks like a team that's better and it, and on paper and then the way that they've been playing 
than these previous two years. They look like they're ready uh, to take that next step. But you just hate to start talking too much about it because it's only two weeks, and it's the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it's been 27 years now since they've gotten to an FC Championship game. So as well as they do, let's say they win 14, 15 games in the regular season, it still comes down to what they do in the playoffs. And and so you don't want to get too far out in front of your skis, I guess. But at the same time, man, 70 to 10, outscoring your first two opponents. I mean, I don't know if you could have drawn it up much better than that. Well, yeah. And, and, so, and, and especially when you look at who's the guys that have scored the touchdowns. I mean, it is yeah. it is a list of, you know, Noah Igbenogany's and, you know, Luke Schoonmakers and Duran Blands. There's nobody, there's no CD Lambs on there or Michael Gallops or Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, uh, no Micah Parsons or Trayvon Diggs, you know, like there's a lot of stars on this team and they've been getting contributions from them, obviously, but also a lot of guys that uh, playing, you know, key backup roles. Well, I was thinking about the the buzz and, you know, whatever you're about to start hearing, like, no matter how you won that game yesterday, if it was Aaron Rodgers, no matter how you won that game, this thing would be buzzing big time. Maybe the buzz is smaller than people think, or maybe smaller than it should be because of who they've beaten. Like, if you had the 49ers next week, we'd be going, all right, here's our big measuring stick game. Like, we would be changing the narrative of, well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Quite frankly, it's just the way we think about things, and it's kind of completely random, you know, uh, at least the way that the schedule comes out. We're literally thinking of things of where could we be in two weeks when we have to go play against good teams like the 49ers, like the Chargers. Another factor in this is you have to look at the rest of the league. And when you look at the rest of the league through through two weeks, I know there's still some games tonight, but, you know, uh, if you look at the the totality of it, it also factors in there's a lot of people that are looking at the um, comparisons to the rest of the league going, well, if you're doing your power rankings right now, who, who else are you like, who else is not getting put, you know, on this level? Like who else is, who else is playing as well as the Cowboys are? 49ers. There we go. See you in week five. I mean, it's not, it's not, I can't see it being a very long list. So Maybe even the, the one team look at it, was bad besides Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> the 49ers. And Philadelphia's played two, you know, close games. They looked good against Minnesota, but you know, that game got close in the end, but it's it does certainly feel like Dallas, San Francisco, and then Philadelphia a step behind maybe by by a little bit. And then if you're to go to the AFC, you can play that game too. I'm having a hard time coming up with any other real team in the NFC. Saad was kind of a genius for calling the the Rams to be something this year. They they seem to be have some juice, man. Even though they lost the 49ers. Matthew Stafford seems to be back. Yeah, and he never it. left, okay? <laughs> yes, Matthew oh. Stafford never leaves. He just gets hurt. Yeah, uh, they don't fully leave. Um, that's it's kind of kind of interesting. I mean, and then that bye week comes early, and then you do get those the Rams and the Eagles right after the bye week. So it's fun. We'll, we won't jump far too far ahead. We will do our picks for the Arizona game a little bit later, as Arizona lost a tough one yesterday to the fighting New York Giants at the big comeback. Saad, let's go to you. You know, your kind of thoughts on what we saw out there yesterday as we record this thing on Monday evening, what you saw out there at AT&T Stadium on Sunday. And, uh, I mean, right? The bandwagon should be full. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the bandwagon should be full. Also, I saw I, I saw one man become one football team. I, you know, I, I 
I, I don't want to oversell like, you know, just the hype on, on Micah Parsons or anything, but like, you know, when he walked back from, from the field after the game, I just, you know, we always take these videos of them walking back into the locker room. And I just took a video and tweeted the Dallas Cowboys um, when he's walking back because, um, you know, I, I think there are standards and, you know, to be honest, I like, I'll be curious next week in the lead up to next week to hear um, if any Boston reporters ask Bill Belichick about who Micah Parsons reminds them, reminds him of, because Bill Belichick obviously has co- coach Lawrence Taylor. And I think that's, uh, that's probably, you know, the biggest comparable that a lot of people are throwing out there. Um, but to, to go back to your question, KT, like I was just blown away by Micah Parsons all game long. It started with, it started with that sack on third down, obviously the, the super fast one, but, um, but I remember I, you know, I, I just turned to John in the press box on that next drive on first down. I'm just like laughing to myself because they're trying to run the ball to the left side and he's pushed the he's pushed two he's pushed the guard and, and another player all the way into the backfield. So it's just, you know, it, the performance he had yesterday, you know, you talk about the J Ron curse interception. Um, it obviously comes off of Micah pressure. You look at the Malik hooker interception and like Micah wasn't rushing on that play. Um, but he, it was his sack, the play before on first down. And I don't know if you're not facing second and 15 or 16 that you're taking that shot down the field. Like so many things directly or indirectly about that game were all so Micah driven for me that that's my biggest takeaway of the entire game. Yeah. And like, that's, that's kind of the thing, uh, you know, like this morning, just doing my radio show and kind of mapping out the things that we're going to talk about. And we started talking about the offense and then in the break, the the two other guys I work with, um, we were sitting there going, man, how did we just do that and not talk about the defense one time? Like, that's the lead story here. And we're like, we'll do that at eight. <laughs> you know, like, we'll just get to that, uh, you know, in the money hour. Like, the defense is ridiculous. And it's all working together. I think that's part of it, too. And that's kind of the, the thing that's – now we got the full complement. You can't look at one thing and say something's holding you back. Special teams got the kicker, Brandon Aubrey. Great. Five for five. Excellent. And I know we want to punch it in the red zone and things like that. But the way that game went didn't matter so much. Mike uh, taking this. Mike McCarthy calling with them winning the toss and him calling for them to have the ball so that they get get out there, get a lead, have have Zach Wilson play from behind. Pretty good stuff. That's something to follow, too, how often they're going to do that. Because Mike McCarthy is a big proponent of. Trying to get the two for one, you know, he he likes to do that. Oh, he but. loves a double double. He loves to get that score touchdown going in at halftime. Score touchdown coming out. Loves yes. it. And that's where I can't get away. Okay, wait, they're doing that. Okay. And the first drive was awesome. CeeDee Lamb, obviously, really good yesterday. Um, really good all weeks. Glad he's not hurt after he got upended that one time. That was the scariest yeah, on on the field moment, I guess. For me, the scariest on the field moment, and and I thought was was a dumb play by Dak was was not to slide on that third down run. Like like you're you already picked up the first down. It was like third and six. You're ten yards deep. Like I I don't need to see Dak getting upended and hitting the turf. You talk about CD and and I and I feel you, especially with Brandon Cooks not being there. But you know that's not Dak you know, on third and six, trying to get that sixth yard. It's like, yeah, dude, just slide. Like, what are you doing right now? So 
for me, you're talking about a scary on the field moment. It was that one for me. Do you, do you think he doesn't want to slide? Like, I don't know. Because? I think he was trying to set the tone early. He's been very business like this whole off season and training camp, and uh, his tones changed a little bit from from previous seasons. I, 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 I think I, I think a good example is really, and I know it's right before the game, but is really that interview before that Sunday night game last week and how business-like he was in that. And I've noticed him being like that even when he talks to us during the week. Um, I think he was trying to set the tone there and uh, could have been bad because obviously he, if you lose him, that's that's not great. But I, I really think that he was trying to send a message with that with that run. That's interesting. Dude, even like the way he, he I talked about the Trey Lance thing, felt like very like, almost seeming like annoyed by it. It's very... Very interesting. I mean, even the interceptions thing. Yes, last night after the game. Well, I mean, there are two things I'm going to like take take away from this podcast when it's over. John, last week you said something that stuck with me all week when you said we may look at the timing of Micah Parsons. You know, the way we look at this Cowboys team beginning to make the playoffs each and every year, not every other year, making the playoffs every year, being a contender. We might look back to the year we got Michael Parsons is that when that started. And then what Saad said today, a, t- uh, a, a, a man becoming a team, right, in Michael Parsons because, boy, it sure, it sure feels that way. And I know that when that game got a little bit uh, out of hand, I was kind of going, can we get all of these guys who are important out of the game right now? And we're probably going to be playing that game a lot. Maybe we're playing that game next Sunday too against Arizona. Like okay, when's the right time to put Cooper Rush in, and when can we make sure Micah is just done? You know, because it's weird. You start thinking about conserving these guys for down the road. It's a wild thing to talk about, especially this early in the season. But this is different. This is not your ordinary team who's going to scratch and claw. This team's going on a run here, and we can all acknowledge that. And that's I'm where thinking, I kinda, I'm thinking what they do. Let me bring up the schedule here. I think what you do is you rest Micah this week and next. You play him against the Niners, play him against the Eagles in week nine, rest him these other weeks. Maybe play him against Washington if you need, play him in the other Eagles game, and then maybe Miami or Buffalo. I'm detecting sarcasm. Yeah, I think you only play him six or seven games, and then he'll be fully fully healthy, you know, for... Good luck I was trying, him that. that's my that's my best Romo call in the game. Oh. <laughs> you think you would have said something like that? No, but he does like to throw in a lot of sarcasm. Yeah. Well, were you being sarcastic for a reason there? Do you think I'm crazy for like let's get him out of the game when we're up by twenty one in the second half? Um no, I don't think you're crazy for that because there's proof behind it. He's gotten banged Last up year. a little bit yeah, during the back half of the season and he didn't play the same way. And uh, it's also one of the reasons why I think it would really benefit the Cowboys to win their division and uh, maybe get get him some rest at the end of the year, you know, if they could going into the playoffs. Uh, why we're talking about that, might as well throw in. Not sure that they really needed to give Tony Pollard as many touches as they needed to in that, in that game uh, yesterday. So that was interesting. We'll see how that goes going forward. But He's not on the value level of Micah Parsons, obviously, but if you were to lose Tony Pollard, uh, there's a pretty big drop off to your next best back. So that one was that was kind of an interesting decision there, especially late in the fourth quarter to keep running him on those. I think it was the three straight plays there. So yeah, yeah, no, I would agree Jerry with that. Big fan. 
Uh, Jerry didn't like that Tony was was no. in the get on. Oh, he no. said that. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, I did yeah. not hear that. Yeah, uh, he talked for about nine, 18, 19 minutes after the game, and he mentioned it on three different occasions. And then when he was asked about how many times he's mentioned it, he responded with, "Well, because he praised Mike a lot during that nineteen minutes." So he was like, "Well, you know, you gotta be negative about something." And then just laughed, you know. But, just, yeah, he clearly just, did not like uh, Tony Pollard still being out there at the end of that game. It is true. He's like, what is something we could be like realistically negative about? It's the hard only to find. Thing, the only thing that I can come up with, and it kind of goes back to, like I said, Dak on the run, goes back to them winning the toss, taking the ball, that maybe Mike McCarthy was using it as a way that I'm going to show you guys that he's the bell cow, you know, and Tony's going to show you that. And it's going to be, we're sending a message right now. This isn't some backfield committee. This is our guy. We're rolling with him. Um, and so maybe it was just for this game to kind of set that tone. Um, but I just don't think it would be a great idea, a great idea to be giving him that many touches every single week. No, you know, the division seven and one so far, uh, as you're fighting Washington commanders got the win. Um, Sam Howe, three and zero as a Washington Commander starter, and then the um, you know, obviously the Eagles and the Giants got the win yesterday. Saquon got hurt right at the end of the game. That's what made me think of that. Saquon got hurt. He's gonna miss. Looks like two to three weeks of the ankle. I thought Saquon was done for the year when I saw the hit he took. But now here I, I the Cowboys are pretty healthy. Brandon Cooks. What, what do we know about Brandon Cooks? Do we think he'll be back soon, or do you think they'll slow burn this because like it is the Cardinals and yeah. I mean, he could the potentially play this week. I mean, that was kind of the, the chatter last week that it could be a one week thing. Uh, I think he's going to try and go on Wednesday and practice and do some stuff. And if he can't, then they could. They certainly could slow play this for sure. Um, and if they do, it'll be interesting to see against the Cardinals if they get Michael Gallup more involved to uh, only have the one catch. Kind of surprised me a little bit. Now he was over on the other side where Sauce Gardner was a little bit more than. So I completely understand why you wouldn't want to throw in that situation, but it's been a couple of years now of, you know, we have these Monday press conferences with the offensive play caller and there's talk of, no, we got to get Mike more involved. We got to get Mike more. I mean, Mike, Michael more involved. We got to get Michael more involved. So we'll see kind of surprised by that. And then also even with Jalen Tolbert, I mean, he had the three catches on that one series and then not a, nothing after that. So you really need one of these other guys to step up. You know, you know what you have in CD lamb, obviously, and you know what you have in cooks when he's healthy, but they need another one of these receivers, at least one, if not both to show, you know, Hey, I can handle a game with seven, eight, nine catches. If need be, if they're doubling up CD, cause that's going to come. I mean, there's not going to be many teams that are going to play CD the way that the jets did. You know, also looked nice was Brandon Aubrey kicking game. Is there he was great. And Turpin, speaking of wide receivers, had a couple of nice catches too. He seems to, you know, be a third down target. Yeah, like this, guys like Turpin and almost the way they use Deuce Vaughn. Just guys that you got kind of have that you can do cool stuff with. That's gonna come in handy, you know, November, December. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, there's a lot of a lot of toys that Mike McCarthy has there, and yeah, the special teams you got to be happy with. Tolbert, as you mentioned, John, looking comfortable is great. You know, you've really kicked the team's ass when their two of their star players are online griping about how the game went, and Brees Hall tweeting four football emojis for the four carries he got, and 
uh, Sauce Gardner just basically refuting that CD Lamb routed him up all day long. He was like, no, we were in zone, bro. Um, Cowboys run defense, though. I mean, look, it's great when you know what the other team is going to do most of the time, and that might be a big key in the NFL in general. I know that they're going to pass on this play. You know, that's very helpful. But there's the one, maybe maybe the biggest area of, of uh, that was a question mark going into the season. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, good players. Not a great Jets offensive line, but a big Jets offensive line who can go and push you around a little bit. Not happening yesterday, but I don't know how much of that has to do with game flow and what the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys are putting a lot of good positions defensively to know what to expect, but got to be happy with the run defense after that, after that day. Got to be thrilled with it, actually. Mm. And the draft class in general. I mean, you, today I was talking to someone and they're like, I just didn't hear much of uh, Mozzie Smith. I was like, well, you're probably not going to. Like, and this may be the Oso Diggy Zuba breakout year, which is good. I mean, that first sack was awesome. Basically, he clears out space for Micah to come through it through the lane there and have a wide open path to the quarterback. And then he had a couple of plays, you know, against the run. I mean, Oso Diggy Zuba standing out a little bit. There's the jump you're looking for to kind of take the defense even further over the top than they kind of already are. Did um, the Garrett Wilson play scare any of you guys? Were you like, oh no? Not really. Were you, were you ahead enough at that point where it was just like, oh, that was, you know, that's all that they're going to do this game? No, to be honest, like the Garrett Wilson play didn't. I mean, if I'm looking at something that, you know, uh, if, if I'm going to get concerned about something, like, and I'm not saying it, it was this drive, but like that drive before the half, if you're methodically driving down and, you know, Zach Wilson's tucking and running and he's picking up these efficient little plays, whether it's on the run, on the ground or through the air, that concerns me a lot more than a one-off, you know, missed tackle, a blown coverage or something like that. Um, no, that doesn't, I mean, this, this defense has enough cachet and has shown enough that, you know, you don't have to get all uh, you don't have to get all concerned about one play breaking down, especially if it's a big play like that in a low leverage situation. Yeah. And in that game, it's like Garrett Wilson is an incredible player. He's one of the top receivers in the league. You know, you're going to give up some big plays. Um, I think that when I'm watching that game, I'm not really thinking of that being some big scare. I, I think this defense has got a lot of leaders, a lot of veterans, a lot of really hungry players that they were going to fix that where it concerns you a little bit is when you're playing a team that has like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, you know, you, you have a couple of those and all of a sudden, you know, you're playing catch up against a team that you don't want to play catch up against. And so that's where my mindset's at. I mean, you weren't worried about it. Lazard. Sucks. We're going to be doing these podcasts all week for the rest of the regular season, but like I, they're healthy. I don't really need to see any more of the regular season. Like I'm ready for the playoffs. That's what this season's going to. That's what this team's going to be defined by. It's not going to be about, you know. Do you remember that thirty to ten game in week two? No, <laughs> don't care. It's going to be. Can you put it together? Build on this and beat teams, good teams, consecutively in January and get to Las Vegas in February and anything short of that. It's a disappointing season. What you just said that would be different if it was San Francisco this week, you know, that's just the way it is. The fact that it's Arizona. Yesterday I was thinking, all right, Arizona next week. Gross. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be good for Arizona. Uh, most likely. Who's been fighting hard? And you'll get to see some Josh Dobbs and, you know, maybe Clayton Toon gets to play. You know, I don't know. It's like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. I just I don't think this team's going seventeen and zero. There's going to be some losses that we'll talk about as like a little bit of wake up calls and things like that. But even with those, if you tell me that Micah Parsons and Dak and CD are healthy with some of these other guys, this team's playing in January, and there's you can put them in the number one in the power rankings right now and say they're your Super Bowl favorite, and or you can you know dissect some things and say that oh you know. Uh, the offense, you know, they kick too many field goals. That's that's fine. It, this is a team that's going to be playing in January, and there's no reason it shouldn't be, and then that's what's going to be decided by. Can they put together these wins? Can they play the way they have these first two weeks in the playoffs? Because if they play that way, especially in defense, they're going to be moving on. And uh, I do think that they're wired the right way to be able to handle it. So to me, the only thing that could derail it is some rash of injuries. Because um, if not, they have so much on their side. Uh, they've put themselves in a spot where – their franchise quarterback for several seasons was looked at as like, well, he has to play great for us to win big. And you don't need that anymore. You just need him to be efficient and not turn the ball over. You're looking at a team that they're, they have enough players on this team that have come up short in the playoffs that they're annoyed by that. There's all that motivation. Uh, you know, I'm sure Mike McCarthy's annoyed by sometimes not getting enough credit, Dan Quinn, whoever, you know, there's everything's there. The making is all there for this to be the team that finally gets them over the hump, but you just got to see it when it matters, you know? Yeah, no, I wish I, it's like, it's weird. Cause you are so used to kind of living a week to week with this team, you know? Um, yeah. really since you've been covering them almost week to week, we're living and dying and needing these games. And you know, they're just now got to a point where they make the playoffs every single year. And now we're sitting here going, stack them up. All right, we'll see where we're at. December schedule gets tough, you know, and we deal with, deal with a few things there. <laughs> but pretty much just stay healthy and we're in good shape. Well, and some of that is – 90% of that is the way the Cowboys have built this team and how they're playing. The other 10% of that is strictly the conference and what you're looking at, wide open. And, you know – Oh, being- I don't know. <laughs> After these first two games, I mean, you could throw them in the AFC. I still think that they're – going to the playoffs I, and I, I think mean, so too it's tough to look at Cincinnati and, and think that oh I don't know how they would hang in with the Bengals I don't know how they could possibly make that a game oh those bills you know so um then heck even the the Chiefs the, the Chiefs again like they're kind of like with the Cowboys if you tell me that Chris Jones is healthy and and Mahomes is healthy and Kelsey are healthy they're going to be there they're going to be probably that would probably be my pick to win it all but I mean Kelsey's already had an injury scare. The way Patrick Mahomes plays, you just never know there. So um, I I don't even think it's just an NFC thing. I, I just look at the Cowboys roster. And if you took them, if you took all these players and put them on a different team, I think a lot of people would look at them differently. It's just that it's, they wear the Cowboys uniform and there is that kind of that belief right now that, well, something's going to go wrong. There's just going to be yeah. something that happens. They've had good teams before, but something gets in the way <laughs> and they don't ultimately get it done. But, I mean, it's hard to look at this team on both sides of the ball and not think this is one of the best teams in the NFL, regardless of, you know, who, if they're the Cowboys or if this is the, uh, you know, Arizona Cardinals. You put this team out there, I mean, they're messing a lot of people up. Well, what teams would give us problems? Well, the best player in the game is Patrick Mahomes. So anytime he's involved, again, okay. whether, he, whether he's on the Chiefs or whoever, that's number one for me. 49ers, Eagles, Eagles. 49ers, 
Uh, I still think the Bills will come around. I, I still have confidence that Cincinnati will come around. And Joe Burrow's on that level too. He's just shown too many times when, you know, it's in big moments. He usually plays his best football. And he started, they had a slow start last year. And once the playoffs came around, he was back to being old Joe Burrow. So I'm not writing them off yet. Ravens. I, a, I, I saw a stat on Burrow where he's just like awful in the first two weeks. Always like every year in his career, he's been really bad the first two weeks. And then he just flips the script and turns it around. So I would also, you know, you can throw the dolphins in there too. Cause I, I think that say, they do yeah. enough things that could make it, they can make it difficult. Um, but but they are in the NFC, and so fortunately that it's going to come down to them, Niners and Eagles, and there's going to be plenty of reps against all those teams. There's not going to be a lot of, wow, we didn't know that they could do this. You know, you've seen yeah, each yeah. other play a bunch of times. To be honest with you, I could see them beating the Niners, and it wouldn't even really change my thought that much. And the only reason I say that is because I still think there's not that much tape out there on what McCarthy wants to do offensively, and it judging by their next two opponents – it might not even be there going into the Niners game, yeah. but you're going to see a lot more in that Niners game. And so let's say they win that game and, and whatever. That doesn't make me think, oh, well, now they're the favorites to beat them in the playoffs. I still, you're going to need to see them in the playoffs too, you know? Yeah. And I also think it's it's kind of interesting that you got the Eagles twice. You're going to play the Eagles twice. And then um, in, in some fashion, you're playing the 49ers twice too, because just listening to some people talk uh, this week, I mean, the the similarities with Robert Sala and what he does Jets with the Jets defensively a lot like, you know, I think Dak even said last night that, yeah, you can you can roll the tape. This is almost like a, a little prelude to like, you know, what you're going to see against San Francisco. So you've kind of played you're going to have played San Francisco's defense ish twice because the Jets are a very talented defensive team. So, um, you know, like to, to John's point about the reps that you're going to have against these teams, you got two. 49ers reps ish. And then you're going to play the Eagles twice, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't, I know he said that last night, but I have my doubts about that. I mean, I just watching the Cowboys and Micah Parsons, like, yeah, there's some things the jets do, but the jets don't have Nick Bosa and right. And, and there, and there's just so many battle tested guys playing together on that Niners defense that, they might do some things conceptually that are on that level, but I just still think the Niners are on just on a, on a different level. Like that'll show me a lot more if the offense is clicking against that defense as opposed to this one. Again, like the thing that is being talked about a lot today is just the whole Sauce Gardner not following CD Lamb. Uh, that was, you know, I know that's not what he typically does. So why would you break what you normally do? And, I, and that On might Instagram? change going forward. So um, because of that. I don't know. We'll see. I understand there are the similarities, but I still, I just think the Niners are another are on another level defensively. Well, and offensively, and everything from the Jets. Sorry, continue. No, no, of course. Anything else you guys want to talk about the Jets? We should talk about the Cardinals for a minute and get our picks and all that stuff. Even though it's very early in the week, as we record this on Monday evening, before the very odd two Monday night football slate. Um, there is a. Anything else for the Jets you want to clean up on? Do we know anything on Shuri Floyd, by the way? We should talk about that for a second. Uh, no, he fainted on the sidelines as he worked, uh, walked off under his own power. Have we heard any update on that? Just to make sure everyone's good there. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, uh, he got checked out last night, went to the hospital, and then um, I think they got him checked out again today, and he ended up working from home. But it sounds like everything's heading in the, dire- in the right direction, and they got 
uh, good test results back and everything like that. It doesn't sound like this is something that is some, uh, is like a major, major medical issue, but, um, they're still running some more tests to find out, you know, why that happened. So, um, it sounds like it's not anything significant right now. So everybody that has talked about it today, Stephen Jones talked about it on the radio, uh, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy talked about it today. It seems like it's all pretty positive vibes about it. So that's good news. Um, so the Cardinals put Buda Baker on IR today. So one of their big defensive playmakers, not going to be playing this week, 12 and a half point line, Josh Dobbs at quarterback. They did get after the giants yesterday as the giants started their season off 60 to nothing, but you know, that's one biggest way to comeback, look at it. needed the biggest comeback in franchise history to, to take down the hated Cardinals. I wish I had more to say about this game besides the Cowboys should smoke them. Uh, and I do think they'll cover the 12 and a half. Um, I wrote down for my pick for the week, 38, 10 Cowboys. Because I don't know, yeah, man. it's tough. Know. I'm not a sports gambler, but I very rarely don't know what the spreads are of games I'm watching. And I will say most of the times when people think everything's going in lock territory, it usually doesn't happen. Uh, I agree with you. I do think that they will cover this, but I'm telling you, man, that Colorado, Colorado state game is a great example by I'm, I'm good on betting on sports, man. Like there's <laughs> no reason that that game should have been close. I mean, everything was going in the one direction. Everybody's loading up on it. And if you watch that entire game at no point was Colorado ever going to win that game by more than maybe 10 at the most. There was never going to approach in the 20s like that line was. So there's just always things like whenever everything seems to be going in one direction, when it comes to like Vegas and betting lines, I'm always just kind of like, hmm, I wonder about that. Okay. Just like I, just like mm-hmm. I, just like I kind of wondered about the end of that Rams-Niners game yesterday and that little field goal as time expired down 10. Hmm. <laughs> Weird how that happened with that seven-point line. Boy, Shanahan looked pissed that, that happened too. <laughs> I was like, he had seven and a half. Uh Man. Well, you guys are welcome to give your picks here for this game that, that I think is meaningful and will really set the tone for the rest of the season. Yes. Cowboys, yeah, Cardinals. Uh, John, we'll go to you. I'm going to go Cowboys 28, Cardinals 10. They're not going to score. I don't. I know it doesn't make any sense, but... I'm just going to say something stupid happens and there's a touchdown and a field goal given up. It doesn't make sense. This should be 40 to nothing, but I'm going to say 28, 10. Saad? Yeah. Coming, man, coming off of last week, it was probably my most uh, accurate prediction week that I've had in the NFL. I, John and I did a little combo um, preview thing for Friday that we do. And I said, you know, I was like, you know, Jake Ferguson should have a, have a decent game. And he didn't have a good game, but he caught a touchdown. And, uh, and then DeMarcus Lawrence did good. And I, and I picked the Cowboys to win 28 to 10 and they won 30 to 10. So I was close. Um, this week, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Cowboys win 24 to six. Um, I don't and more boring. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just think that it's going to get to a point where, it's going to be something like 21 to nothing or something like that. And then everyone's just going to go to sleep, um, including everybody on the field. And I think like, you know, they'll, they'll get a couple of field goals or something and Cowboys will chip something in, but yeah, 24 to six, just because of 
like I said, I, I just think it'll be that boring. Honestly, if it's 24 to six, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals score first, miss the extra point, And so it's six, nothing. And then the Cowboys run off 24 unanswered after that. But <laughs> Could be. Kent, what about you? Dallas Cowboys, 30. Arizona Cardinals, four. Five. Oh, four. Four, okay. two safeties. Yes. Yeah, two safeties this time. A bad snap on a punt. I was pretty close with my jet score. I thought they just have two, but they twenty four to two. It's you so know, bad. if you're gonna pick a game for two safeties, uh, I, I would say the one with Josh Dobbs and Clayton Tune is the one to do it because <laughs> if you're talking about odds, you know who's gonna Dan Orlovsky this thing? I mean, you know, this is this is about as good of a bet as you'll have to do that. So, yeah, no, my I, my bold prediction for the game is that Josh Dobbs will complete a pass to himself. Tyler Biotish will lose a shoe. And I do think that at some point on the Fox broadcast, they will play the song, I've Been Through the Desert on a Horse with No Name. No, that's 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 the best bet of the week right there. Give me a point uh, for that. Um, quick question for you guys. You took me out of Dion path for a minute. Just a couple minutes on this. In two weeks, it's USC and Colorado. Mm-hmm. If Shadur Sanders... Outplays Caleb Williams. Does he become QB one heading into next year's draft? No, I don't think no so. Way. Just because of how much Caleb has already established himself in terms of for the NFL, and so Caleb Williams is already in that. Uh, for me, I feel just he's kind of already in that Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, where you can change stuff as much as you want now on the field between now and the draft. And I just, I just feel so comfortable. Like, and I felt that way about Stafford too, where I was like. Yeah, there's going to always be talk out at the combine and things like he might not go one. But then, like, when we sit there and then Goodell walks up there and says, and with the first pick, like, Caleb Williams is going one. But I do think that if he outplays him, then Shador could be the front runner for the Heisman for sure, especially because in that game, it doesn't sound like they're going to have Travis Hunter. So, but I mean, he should already be, I mean, I don't know, second behind Caleb right now for. It Heisman. looks like it plays, doesn't it, though? Like, at the next level, like his oh, skill yeah, set. For sure. So you're like sitting there going, he's very good, very good. And I really like watching him. Uh, I watched him probably three times. Yeah, I think three times at Jackson State, um, including his last game there. And he just doesn't get very rattled. And that's such a big part of playing quarterback that, yeah, obviously you need the arm strength, you need the accuracy, but but that ability to not get rattled by anything, even when dudes are just cheap shotting you and targeting you in the face and you're just getting back up and that, and he's... He's a tough dude, accurate arm, just seems like a gamer. Yeah, I it totally tra- I I would be surprised if he doesn't have NFL success. Yeah, and for me I think I yeah, I don't think he can cross Caleb because I think for me Caleb Williams the the way I watch Patrick Mahomes in the NFL is how I kind of watched Caleb Williams in college among his peers. I'm not saying he's the same talent as Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. I'm just saying within his realm of his arena. No, you can I mean shit, you can say Oh, sorry. You can say <laughs> You can say that because of even college, like he's a better college player than Patrick Mahomes was. So there's no, there's no reason why you shouldn't say that. That that is a good, great comp. The question is if Dion takes Colorado on some kind of playoff run, what NFL team is going to get Dion? We're going to go after him in the off season. So I don't think he, he would go the NFL. I do think that he could go to another, whatever another step up is, Uh, you know, there's always going to be something. 
Yeah, there's always going to be jobs opening um, at, at bigger programs. I think he stays at Colorado at least for another year. Um, but I do not see Deion Sanders going to the NFL for, if ever, I, I, I don't see it happen in the next two or three years. But, you know, as of right now, it doesn't sound like it's an interest for him. But who knows? Maybe, you know, two, three, four years from now, maybe that changes. But I see Deion Sanders trying to run college football for at least the next two or three years, if not longer. I also don't see Dion as someone who would have the same level of success in the NFL, just because not just the competition, but the dynamics are so different. I mean, all these kids in college are enamored with Dion Sanders and, you know, they, they want to follow his lead and stuff. And then, you know, you try to do that with, you know, 10 other players who are making, you know, North of $20 million and who also haven't really like, they know the legend and aura of Dion Sanders, but they didn't grow up watching Dion. Like, None, none of these kids that have that are coming up now grew up watching Dion. So uh, well, Travis Hunter never saw him play either, but that was a huge part of him going to Colorado. Sure. Well, going to Jackson State. So I do think that part it matters. I just don't think he can send the messages at the NFL level because there's just certain guys that then when they make a certain dollar amount, you have to play them. So there exactly. is no because I'll tell you, man, his Colorado teams are super disciplined. Like if you watch any of these first three games, super locked in, fundamentally sound, like they are well coached. And so yeah. I do think he can have success at that level. I just wonder if he wants to deal with that, though, you know? Yeah, and I think Travis Hunter is more of the exception than the rule. Um, for and, and there's definitely guys like that, but I, I yeah. No, wait, 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 till, wait till those recruiting classes keep rolling. I'm telling you, Travis Hunter is just the start. He's about to run recruiting, too. Well, now, I mean, and, but that's... I, I just think that you're thinking of people, these kids caring about him as like his NFL slash college, stuff like that. I don't even think they care about him that. They just... It's like, it's almost like George Foreman with the griller. Like it's gone so far past that to where like, you don't even think of him as a boxer. Like Dion has just got all this swag and he's on your TV at all times that I think the, even the football stuff is secondary to just his swagger. And really yeah. the fact that everybody, it doesn't matter if you're the rock or whoever, you're just so enamored by him. And anybody that you bring him around that any of these kids are going to look up to all are just like, oh my God, it's Dion Sanders, it's Dion Sanders. So I think that his popularity just goes beyond his football and being like probably the best defensive back that's ever played the game. I think it's just more about motivation, motivating men. I mean, it, it's not, I don't think NFL players care as much about what have you done rather than can you motivate me to do what I need to do? I mean, Mike McDaniel hadn't done, hadn't done a lot, but he motivates the heck out of his team, right? They believe him believe in his message, right but he's so. he's kind of he's kind of bringing together ha being fundamentally sound with also having the most swagger and that's e way easier said than done it's fascinating how yep. he's been able to do that that's yep. hard to do to get both of those things if you're going to be really uh, a swagged out type team that plays like that like you know people want to bring up let's say like a miami team uh, of the 90s or those florida state teams or uh usc uh, maybe of the 2000s, which I don't really even put USC in that category, but some of those Miami teams are, are probably the best example. There'd also be the like late hits and doing some of those things where you're just like, yeah, you got to kind of like live on the edge and take the good with the bad because, you know, this guy's going to kind of toe the line. His teams are like really fundamentally sound, like very well coached on top of between Saturdays is has as much swagger, if not more than anybody. No, it's, 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 it's really fun to watch. And I think like, I could see. Obviously, I don't know how conference realignment is going to like change any of this because it could make 
makes sense for him to like end up back in the SEC. I just think it's wild too. Also, like Shador will probably go, but he could come back and yeah. play another year with Dion if he wanted to. And so can yeah, Caleb Williams, like he could, Caleb Williams' he could dad, making those comments, like, yeah. well, I'm, I, he could stay if he you know doesn't like the Cardinals or whoever it's going to be picking first. The best but, thing that that Colorado has going for it with that possibility was the fact that that this transfer portal is so real in terms of being able to to turn things around so quickly. It's obviously helped with Colorado through a first cycle. If you get another cycle of transfers in there that could help him immediately that are willing to leave some other schools and you put them around and the whole goal is no, 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 no. We were just, we were in there to shake things up last year. This year we're going to win it all. You can get some big time players in that transfer portal. And all of a sudden he looks at it as like, yeah, you know what? I am going to come back. Let's, let's, let's try and make this thing happen. You know, let's try and win the whole damn thing. And it could be interesting. What do you think of your Florida State? As in what? Like, I have to do everything I can do to get Dion here, right? I mean, I think everything at Florida State's going for just fine without Dion right now. Now, yeah, if you said three years ago. Think about where it could go, though. And that's still on the table. I think that there's some people there that uh, rubbed him the wrong way. I don't think he's going back to Florida State anytime soon. I think there's some people that he's not happy with that are there. But, I mean... Colorado did a good job at the transfer portal, but Florida State's the model right now. Yeah. Florida State has not recruited well the last three years. The only reason Florida State is is top five team right now in the country is because of the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. It's it's all, most of their impact players are all transfer portal guys. So crazy. They're exactly what Colorado's looking at, like, oh wow, they can do that. They can turn that around in, in, in a year or two like that. Why can't we do that here? So Yeah. Well, guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, you guys will go off to Arizona, cover that bad boy for us. If there's anything that uh, emergency or big time happens throughout the week, we'll have you covered here on About Them Cowboys, as always. Uh, but we will reconvene probably next Tuesday. It'll probably be when we record uh, the next week's podcast, which will kind of be a, a Cardinals postgame, Patriots pregame broadcast to get you ready for that one. So, We're all picking the Cowboys to win and win big, but uh, you never know in the NFL. It's a little crazy. Uh, You never know when Josh Dobbs is playing quarterback. Anything can happen. Um, For our producer, Kent Garrison, for Saad Youssef, for John Mishota, I am KT. We'll see you next week on another episode of About Them Cowboys. Well, uh, 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 the secret sauce.